Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. The chair will put Mr. Speaker. The bill is passed. We've created a commitment to America. Those in favor say aye. We've had a House speaker for 12 days now, and we're about 12 days until the government shuts down. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control, a podcast where we look around the corner at the challenges and priorities facing the 2023 Congress. I'm one of your hosts, Annalise Keller. And I'm your other host, Brendan Buck. We are recording this Monday morning. Uh, it should be a very big week on Capitol Hill. Uh, obviously, since we have last spoke, we've got a new speaker and we've got a week uh, or so of legislating under his belt. So we're going to take a look at how he's been doing, Mike Johnson of Louisiana. But a lot of big questions going forward, of course, as well. Uh, what is the fate of Ukraine funding? What is the fate of Israel funding? There is a government shutdown deadline coming up. All of these things may end up intersecting. Um, and then, of course, we've always got the normal House drama. We're censoring people. We're trying to expel people. Um, all kinds of fun stuff in the House, as usual. Um, but I think this will be a very telling week for the Johnson speakership uh, to come. Yeah, we've already seen some of, you know, some of his priorities. I think one of the first things that the first orders of business when he came in was passing um, passing an Israel package. And of course, um, kind of contrary to what Biden and over in the Senate, when they, you know, sort of wanted to package all of these items up together, Ukraine funding, Israel funding, some Taiwan funding, some other items, um, Johnson stripped all of that out and of course passed Israel funding, uh, but attached to it a pay for, which was a clawback of IRS funding from President Biden's IRA legislation. Um, so of course, you know, this was kind of our first look at how he was going to be uh, legislating and how he was going to approach some of these challenges. Um, I think this, for me, signaled uh, a little bit of an unseriousness to to kind of the maneuver. Like, I, I kind of felt that it was a little gimmicky. I think they all knew that it wasn't going anywhere or they sort of had to know that it wasn't going anywhere. He's Johnson has been on the record saying he this wasn't a political move, wasn't a political calculation. Shannon, it's really surprising to hear Senator Schumer say that it's not a serious uh, proposal. It's exactly what was requested, $14.5 billion. Um, you know, I could, could kind of see some arguments that he just wanted to put Democrats on the record in terms of voting against Israel support. I don't know if that, you know, I don't know his motivation, but certainly they sort of had to have an understanding that this was sort of a one move and done. Like there was no long-term strategy here. If there is a long-term strategy, I don't know that he's articulated exactly what that what that is. Um, yeah, so my, and I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say this, because I will start by saying uh, I was a staffer at one point for the Republican St Study Committee, uh, the conservative caucus in the House. But the beginning of the Mike Johnson speakership very much feels like an RSC chairman playing the role of speaker. Um, and that may be like a bit of an inside dig, and I don't mean it necessarily that way. Um, but it feels very much like somebody who's very fresh to this, who has not had a whole lot of time actually mapping out legislative strategy and is <clears throat> uh, diverting to sort of gimmicky things, as you said. Uh, you know, the conference is happy after a week. That's cool you know, because he was able to keep the conference together by pulling together an Israel package that unifies 
them, divides Democrats. That's always popular in the conference. Um, I, I think the question then is, though, now what? And if there is a now what, you know, that's that's fine. I, he just hasn't really articulated. And maybe it's just, you know, this is a House marker and we are going to now negotiate with the Senate. Um, I guess I just worry if I'm him that he's not necessarily communicated to the conference that's what this is, that this is a starting place for us to negotiate with them. Mm. Um, if the conference is expecting that, that's one thing. If he is giving them the impression that he is digging in for a fight over this um, and then ultimately you know, loses that fight, that's going to be tough. And I mean, that, that's one of the things you always have to be thinking about in leadership is, okay, well, what's our move two or three steps down the road and how are we conditioning members for what a perhaps likely outcome is. Maybe he'll be start doing that this week, laying out what the plan from here is. But thus far, I, I don't know that we've seen it. And, and you know, a few of the other things he's cooked up this week also feel a little gimmicky. Um, some of that's going to be getting his legs up under him. But um, I, I'm very curious to see if he figures out exactly what the next move is. Yeah, it feels like um, a couple of people, you know, sitting around and coming up with a policy solution for, for something that you know, it's a little bit more complicated. I mean, the offset that. thing is a perfect example. It's like, oh, you know what we should do? We should offset this. Cool. All right. Well, let's sit down. Hey, what do we have to offset this with? Much easier said than done. And it wouldn't surprise me if they looked at a bunch of options and realized that, like, there aren't really easy offsets. And I've been through so many of these um, deficit reduction packages over the years um, where we are trading cuts in discretionary spending with mandatory cuts. Um, so if you're offsetting something, just to get it real geeky, like it's hard to offset things with discretionary spending. Um, you need, typically need to offset it with something that's mandatory spending. And there's just, we, we've used a lot of the easy stuff already. So it feels like they're like, let's offset it. Cool. With what? what we got? And, and they came <laughs> up with this because that's the best that they could come up with, which isn't very serious. And maybe they probably know it's not serious, but um, that just sort of feels again, like somebody coming in from the outside. Yeah. I saw Johnson commented about kind of his approach and one of the lines was like i'm just sort of worried right now about what's going to be able to pass the house i'm focused on the house um and and i understand that and that's not a direct quote but that was the sentiment and and i think you know mccarthy said things that were similar like i'm just you know working to to kind of organize my conference and get something out of the house but i think the way the way that i thought about it or the what struck me about it is that it expressed the sense of sort of sticking your head a little bit in the sand about like what's going on over on the Senate side, what's going on with the administration. And that's, you know, everything he says right now is just going to be dissected. And, um, you know, the only things that we have to go for as far as how he's going to be legislating and organizing the conference. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting signal that he seems to be sending. Yeah. I mean, and what happens in the House surely matters. And like, I, I don't have a problem theoretically with the house setting a marker and saying, well, now we're going to, you know, go into a little standoff with the Senate. Um, you just need to be prepared to do that. Um, although I will say, you know, we, we keep talking about how the Senate is going to act in a bipartisan way and that they're going to either ignore the house bill or send the house bill back. That looks much more to their liking. And what that would be, of course, would be Ukraine tied to Israel tied potentially to border, but we also haven't actually seen the Senate do that yet. Um, and until the 
Senate gets their act together and can figure out what that package looks like, there's a little less pressure on Johnson. But I assume at some point um, that is going to change and something will will come back to them. And then, I, you know, is Johnson's position, OK, well, we're just going to ignore what the, the Senate did? Yeah, we already passed what we need to pass. Yeah. And take it, it up or down. <laughs> It's not hard to see that kind of being his view. Um, but at some point, you also needed an outcome. I don't think he really, frankly, would care if there was no outcome on Ukraine. But as long as these things are mixed together, he's got to get an outcome on Israel. Like, just, right. just has to. So, um, you know, if the Senate can actually get their act together, which seems likely but not a sure thing, um, then then things are different. But we still need to see the Senate do that. Yeah. So I know we're going to get into the appropriations process, the looming CR, but just quickly, a few other things that the House has been um, kind of having to to deal with. Obviously, there have been a couple of resolutions put forward to censure um, Rep. Tlaib. I think there was also a counter-dem resolution put forward to censure Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, both of those were tabled, but it looks like uh, there's maybe another one coming up or Marjorie is attempting to push forward with the uh, Tlaib censure again. And as a reminder, that's a step below uh, the push to dispel another member, which we also saw with uh, George Santos uh, attempts to expel him from from Congress last week. Um, all of these were kind of handily in a bipartisan way pushed aside, I think. Or a number of reasons for that. Yeah, I thought you were going to forget our friend George Santos for a minute. Um, yeah, he survived that. Seems somewhat temporary. Uh, a lot of members saying they wanted to hold off until the Ethics Committee comes out with their findings, which they have signaled will be relatively soon. Um, but very much a guy not taking the hint um, has even said that if they do expel him, he's going to run again anyway. Really loves his job in Congress. Taking up. Page out of Michael Grimm's book there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess good for him, maybe. A for effort. I don't know. Um, but he still remains defiant. Uh, I think an open question of whether he is still a member of Congress, you know, two weeks from now. Um, but it wouldn't be the House of Representatives without something to do with, with George Santos. Yeah. I mean, the only the only kind of interesting thing that I that I find about this debate um, between censuring and expelling is just sort of the general grumblings of both Republicans and Democrats that like they don't want these kind of punishments for members that are members that are member driven, like whether it's taking someone out of a off of a committee, expelling them or censuring them. It just seems that there's kind of a discomfort with with moving on those yeah things. and look uh, this is what i i worried about the second that they removed i guess it was marjorie taylor green from committees um you recall there was a somewhat of a bipartisan uh desire to remove her from from committees and the republican leadership tried to figure out some way to do that realized they couldn't backed away from it and then democrats voted to remove her and it feels like from that point on um you know there there are no rules it, it uh, there's a significant breakdown here where you know everybody is just throwing up <clears throat> censure resolutions everybody's kicking everybody off committees um you know this used to be a pretty extraordinary thing and now you know there's just it's it, it's just another day in the house um, just really speaks to how far things have, have broken down there, how little control leadership has, how much everybody is their own op free operator here. 
Um, bad environment for, you know, governing, obviously. Yeah, jams um, up floor time. It just, it just feels all very unserious, you know. Somebody you don't like, you're going to censure them. Like, that That used to have meaning, and it's just has sort of devalued what it is. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about these appropriations bills. Um, the House has passed seven. They recently passed Sledge Branch and Interior. Um, I think the Senate's passed three. So what do we think? Um, are they going to... Are there any uh, big roadblocks that you see to getting these all across the finish line? What do you think, Brendan? Well, I do think this is a good time to kind of take a step back and um, review where we are. So <clears throat> as we've said, 12, 13 days to a government shutdown again. Mike Johnson has been given, I think, the breathing room, if he so chooses to use it, to do another CR, buy himself some more time, and we, we can talk about the CR permutations that are being thrown out there. But I do want to like pause on the idea that appropriations is now reaching the stuck point. Um, you know, one of the big criticisms of McCarthy was that they didn't do enough appropriating in regular order. They were doing them slowly. Um, this criticism that we faced for years and years and years that we didn't get our bills done on time, you know, the 12 appropriations bills. Uh, what we're quickly running into here is that the House has probably done all that it can. It's at seven right now. They may be able to pass an eighth, but the remaining ones are probably just never going to pass the House. Uh, Labor HHS, financial services, commerce and justice, these are the ones that are hard to do. Now, they've gotten further along than we have in the last couple years, um, but the reality is they're not passing because... Republican members won't vote for them. Um, Republicans have have written them in ways that they reject. They they you know, have no bipartisan appeal. Democrats are are going to be against all of them based on the spending levels, based on the riders, based on the policy that's within them. And then they've gone so far that Republicans won't vote for them. Um, you know the 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 Justice Department, for example, you're going to have. Uh, members who won't vote for anything that funds the FBI at all. And then you're going to have members who won't vote for anything that cuts the FBI. Like, you're stuck. There, there's just members that would never vote. For never, never vote for the Justice Department yeah. in the first place. Um, so you've got a lot, of, um, a lot of challenges to move forward at all. And so usually when you're doing a CR, you're going to say, all right, well, we need a little more time to do our work. And, um, you know, let's punt for a month or two. I'm just, it, I think it's going to become very clear very soon if you're Mike Johnson and you're standing in front of the conference saying, we've got more work we're going to do, and you haven't scheduled any more votes on appropriations bills because you can't, some of them haven't have even gotten votes, through a committee yeah. yet. Um, and, you know, may, maybe you could turn and start saying, well, let's just start negotiating with the Senate on, um, on the ones that we have passed. They only have one bill that the Senate has passed that the House has passed. There's just like a total mismatch. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, you know, kicked out Kevin McCarthy over this idea of not doing individual bills. Like, what's the plan then to fund the Health and Human Services Department? What's the plan to fund the Justice Department, um, you know, the Treasury Department, all of these things that we haven't funded yet that they can't get through the House? Um, you know, all roads here seem to be leading towards sort of some kind of like long-term CR for these things, which is never, a, you know, a great solution. So, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I just want to like 
stop for a second and have everybody appreciate that this whole like let's get back to regular order let's do appropriating is going to hit the same wall that we always hit and we hit the wall because we write these bills in a way that no democrat will vote for and they're written in a way that not every republican can vote for so we're kind of stuck um we'll see how big of a problem that is on this short-term cr very clearly they're going to need a cr because they don't have as i said any appropriations in law um, but I think this is a big, big problem to keep an eye on, both in terms of the substance, but also in terms of how Johnson is able to message to his conference that they are, in fact, making progress when it may become clear soon that they're not really. Yeah, and I think you're right that, you know, Johnson clearly has like a longer leash right now. And I think he has the flexibility to pass a CR. But I think, um, you know, it's just going to be difficult for him. This goodwill is going to run out. And like, where does that leave us? Um, and then back to the appropriations legislation, like, let's not forget that. McCarthy changed all of the funding levels after, you know, sort of the debt limit negotiation when they agreed upon sort of these spending levels that we were going to have. So, I mean, I guess their their argument is that they're going to conference those and work out the spending levels. And that's just a starting point with the Senate. But there's also, you know, a lot of complications, even with those that have been passed between the levels of spending um, from what the Senate's going to be putting forward. The goodwill always runs out. Um, But yeah, I mean, this was supposed to be the year that they had appropriations, top line numbers set, bipartisan agreement, let the committees do their work. And that all fell apart the second that the conservatives demanded that they write their bills to a number lower than the the debt limit deal, which of course now Democrats are never going to vote for. The Senate is sticking to that number. And so they're acting in a bipartisan way. Um, in all my years, there, there's a very poor track record of one party in one chamber overpowering the other chamber when the other chamber is working in a bipartisan way. And that's yep. what you have here on appropriations. It's what you have here on the supplementals for Israel and Ukraine. Um, you know, sort of a lonely House Republican conference trying to tell the Senate and White House what it's going to do is tough sledding. Um, and this is sort of my whole big problem with, uh, problem, you know, kind of underscoring how stupid it was to get rid of Kevin McCarthy is Mike Johnson's going to be pursuing the exact same sort of goals that McCarthy was. They're going to try to fight for these spending bills at these certain levels. And they're now just doing it with a speaker who's much less experienced than Kevin McCarthy is. It's not like Mike Johnson's coming in and writing a whole new playbook on what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, the whole, you know, the whole ball game here is, is appropriations and spending, and he's, the policy is the exact same. What now? Maybe Mike Johnson is just a legislative maestro, or you know, is able to assert himself in a way that no speaker recently has, and can overpower the Senate. I'm skeptical of that, um, but you know, uh, I think he's going to soon soon learn the way that all speakers do that there are some certain responsibilities that come with governing and a lot of your people in your conference don't like that and they're going to get upset and whether you power through because you need to do what you need to do or you fold and cater to them and maybe that's how we end up not getting ukraine aid for a while or israel aid for a while maybe that's how we end up with a government shutdown so let's talk a little bit about some of the other maybe creative thinking approaches to a uh, potential cr and that's the concept of a laddered cr very novel, very, very RSC chairman. Yeah, not something that uh, was discussed that I'm aware of uh, during my time on the Hill. But essentially, 
the idea here being you would pass a CR with different expiration dates for different departments of government. So it kind of set up, you know, a shutdown, a smaller shutdown of sorts for specific agencies. Yeah, I guess they think that if what 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 is lacking from our appropriations process is deadlines, <laughs> as though deadlines tend to force action, that, that has never been the case. Um, we tend to extend these things over and over again. But they seem to think that if we just have clarity that, you know, we need to fund DOD by a certain date, then we will do that. I and mean, we need to fund labor HHS by a certain date. We'll do that. I don't know that this this is not solving the problem. We no, have this here. is creating this is complicating 10 more problems. the problem that we have here. Um, look, again, this is, you know, fine. It, it doesn't. It, no, it's not fine. It's stupid. It, it is not solving any anything. <laughs> It is complicating matters, and it just sort of mis. If, if that's what you think the problem is, that we don't have a clear enough timetable, um, then you haven't been paying attention. Um, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. But I think the bigger issue here is that instead of just taking the breathing room, we're now talking about gimmicks, and we're now trying to put make a bigger deal out of the CR. I mean, this is you, you're you're given the hall pass here. CRs used to be no big deal. I mean, the more you pass them, we've had times where we had to pass, you know, half a dozen CRs. And each time it gets harder and harder, sure. But usually the first or second CR is not hard to do. But the more you sort of decide this is going to be a vehicle for something, by the time you, every time you make it more complicated, put more spotlight on it, it gets harder to pass. I don't know why he wouldn't just say, all right, I'm new here. We need some more time. Everybody's giving me the time. I'm just going to take it. We're going to process this week with plenty of time. We're going to process a two-month CR and, and take the win. Instead, they're talking about whatever goofy this idea this is. It was reported that the rest of the leadership like was confused and unclear why he even said this. Um, yeah, where's Scalise in all of this? I, he's sort of been a little quiet. In the best of times, you should not assume that there's always strategy behind everything that happens in leadership. <laughs> I'm certain that this is a little bit of shooting from the hip. Um but this, to Scalise, I mean, it was, he's talking about using the CR as a vehicle to cut spending. Uh, again, well, I don't know what, it's not a CR at that point. If you're just saying we're going to do a CR and it's going to include a spending cut, then that's not a CR. That's just, yeah. you know, a, a government, a, a spending cut bill in, in another name. So um, that's another sort of thing that's being floated out there. It's not going to happen. But again, my, my point is, why are you making a fight here? <laughs> Yeah, yeah just, just you know, take the goodwill that you have, get us into next year, use a little bit of the breathing room to try and figure out how you're going to approach this in the new year. Um, Unless the fight is the purpose and like the, uh, the whole point, and that very well could be the thing. I mean, this is a conference that loves a fight. It loves picking a fight, and it loves fighting even if it means you lose. They would much rather fight and lose than not fight at all. So, um, you know, you may also have a situation where you have a speaker who just watched Kevin McCarthy get booted from his job over what should have been an easy lift, and he's already nervous, and that's yeah. a bad sign, too. Yeah, maybe the theme that I'm picking up on so far from the first week is just, um, you know, fighting for a fight's sake, not necessarily getting results and having a positive outcome in the long term. Yeah, I mean, I do want to say it's – I don't want to cast any, like – final judgments at all on the Johnson speakership. My God, we're 12 days in. Um, it's way too early to say, but yeah, he does seem to be gravitating towards what keeps the conference happy. And maybe that's a fine first play. Like I'm not, again, there's no, no judgment on that. 
but what's the play after here? And even if you, you know, want to give into the itch to fight uh, on a CR, um, maybe realize that you're going to end up paying some political capital there too, if you lose, you know, I mean, like I said, they want you to fight, but even when you lose, people are going to say, well, maybe this isn't the guy who, you know, can, can deliver what we're looking for. The, the goodwill runs out real fast. The honeymoons end real fast, probably faster here in this situation, um, because of all of the deadlines that are coming up. So yeah, maybe he's, he's just gravitating towards keep folks happy for now, knowing he's going to have to disappoint them later. Um, but you better sure condition them for that if that's what you're thinking. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is this Ukraine funding and Israel support package is dragging on. And I think it's it's not going to be too long before members start to have the idea to kind of tie some of these things together or they're pushed to tie some of these things together due to timing. Yeah. I mean, I don't exactly yet. I haven't wrapped my head around how the, that is good or bad. But, you know, typically you try to have as few votes as you can on things that are difficult. And typically, if you're gonna lose the far right and lose the far left on something anyway, um, maybe just kind of bring those things together and write those votes off. Um, But yeah, it's not hard to see uh, us not have a resolution on Ukraine and Israel a week from now. And the Senate says, okay, we finally got our act together on uh, supplemental. We're going to throw a CR on top of it, and that's how we're going to fund the government. And if that's where Mike Johnson wants to have his standoff, oh boy, um, you know, maybe that's the conflict we need uh, to to get over this hump. Sometimes you do need that conflict, but boy, it would be nicer if we could just do a clean CR and let those that other thing ride separately. Because the idea of a government shutdown over the need to send foreign aid would be quite the heated fight, I imagine. Yeah. And I think we're also just going to, you know, try to solve immigration while we're at it. Yeah. I mean, that's if I'm like looking at this, like what's the what's the thing that I think is like underappreciated problematic? It's that it's the president has requested money for the border, I think, trying to a because thinks there's need for it, but B, because he appreciates that they're probably going to need to spend some money domestically to get some money for foreign purposes. Um, and I, 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 I think a relatively smart move to request it all it all together. However, um, the Senate is, or Republicans in general, have been saying that border money is not enough. You need border policy changes to our asylum laws or other ways we process migrants um, in addition to funding if we're going to attach that to money to Ukraine. Let me just tell you, that gets complicated fast. Yep. Um, you know, in, in all my time uh, in politics, the hardest, single hardest thing to do, not cutting spending, not entitlement, the hardest thing to do is immigration policy. Um, and I'm very nervous that if that ends up becoming something that you have to have on here as a requirement for Ukraine aid, that's going to imperil Ukraine aid. Therefore, that's going to imperil the Senate's ability to process um, their bipartisan supplemental. It's going to potentially give the House uh, uh, a hand up in the negotiations. 
maybe they'll figure this out. Maybe people will back off and say, we don't need a bunch of policy changes. Um, you know, let's remember Chuck Schumer actually is still the majority leader. He controls what comes to the floor. We often talk about this as only Republicans matter. Um, but you need Republican votes. So um, if the House, if the Senate is to jam the House, they're going to have to figure out a bipartisan package. And if immigration policy becomes a requirement for that, whew, that yeah. is dicier than tough. I think people appreciate. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I mean, Schumer's already signaled that he's opposing these kinds of packages that Lankford's sort of putting together over on the Senate to be included in the supplemental. But um, Brendan, you're absolutely right. I, I think there are even... I mean, there are there are certainly divisions among the parties, but I mean, if you look at the kind of package that House Rep- that excuse me that Senate Republicans are going to put together, I mean, there are so many members of the House on the Republican side that are going to look at that and just feel that it is woefully inaccurate, in- inadequate. Yeah, um, and I guess the argument that you could make is like, well, this is not this is not the full extent of everything we're going to do on the border. This is just sort of a um, a, a quick trade, this funding for this, funding for that, and and try to appeal to people's um, pragmatic incrementalism. <laughs> but incrementalism doesn't really tend to speak to people who, you know, get really fired up about immigration. Um, so just a big thing to, to keep an eye on. Like you said, there are senators trying to work out policy, even in a bipartisan way. I do think there is bipartisan agreement that we have to do something about what's going on at the border, uh, whether that's funding, whether that's policy. I mean, this is not at this point just a Republican hardliner issue, but the details are still so important and complicated and difficult. And so I'm just really, that that's the thing I'm, I'm keeping an eye on because um, the, whole, the whole thing sort of revolves around the Senate being able to get their act together and, and assert a bipartisan um, you know, or or just use their bipartisanship against the House, um, but they got to pull they got to pull that off. And if they don't do it soon, it's going to bleed into a CR. And my gosh, if um, everything's all tied, if everything's all tied thing. together, <laughs> that's so ugly. I can't even figure out what what you do at that point. Yeah, that'd be a mess. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if there was actually policy, immigration policy measures included in the Senate. There may package. need to be some kind of fig leaf something. I mean, the, we may be at the point where you have to have something. And I, I don't know what that is. I'm not an expert in the field. Um, but I have enough experience to know that even the small things uh, can get people really fired up. Yeah. Um, okay, so what do, what do we think? Uh, threat of a shutdown ahead of... November 17th. Higher than it should be. Um, if I were to put it, are we putting percentages on it or are we saying yes or no government shutdown on November 17th, 18th? Well, I'll say yes or no. I'm going to say yes. I don't know that it's necessarily a long shutdown. I, I was very clearly on the record that I did not think there was going to be a shutdown last time and everybody gave me a hard time for that. Um, but we avoided it. RIP <laughs> Kevin McCarthy in the process. Um, but we voided it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to, to fear that uh, Mike Johnson may feel like he needs to at least shut it down for a weekend. Um, but um, it shouldn't, there should not be a shutdown. This should be easy. He has the permission to do a short-term CR. Um, but things may, may get complicated fast. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the opposite position. I do not think there's going to be a shutdown. I think um, him... It, the only the only maneuvering that he's doing now, I'll say, is maybe 
showing the fight and then he'll pass a CR and then punt some of these things off until until next year. That's my prediction. It's what he should do. We'll see. Um, all right, should we leave it there? Um, obviously, this week's going to be really important. Um, the next 12 days are going to be very important, not just for keeping our government open and what's going on overseas, but also for the Johnson speakership uh, for the long term and, and see how he is able to maneuver all of these things. So we'll be watching along with you um, and we'll be back to talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much for joining this week's episode of Control. Control is a production of Seven Letter, a leading strategic communications firm in Washington, D.C. and Boston with deep experience in bipartisan public affairs, public relations, crisis management, digital strategy and corporate engagement. Special thanks to our producer, Benji Englander. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us next week for another episode. And don't forget to rate and review us. Thank you for listening.